intentional walk to Barry Bonds. Two and two with the bases loaded and one out. Oh, oh my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slam. Hello and welcome back everybody to another episode of Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fantasy baseball podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Curlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. Tonight is episode 71. We are just pumping them out. Thank you all for staying tuned and listening. And I am joined by my worst nightmare here. I have Zach and George, and I'm going to mess them up all night. So we have George. You can follow on Twitter. <laughs> you have George. You can follow on Twitter at Roto underscore Nino. You have Zach. You can follow on Twitter at BrafZ. This is going to be a long episode tonight with me missing your names all night. But gentlemen, what's going on? How you guys doing? All that good stuff. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, man. Just uh, glad to be here. This is episode, what, 71? 71 already. All right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Episode 100 is coming up. Our one-year anniversary is coming up, and I don't know what to do. It's like I'm supposed to make a big deal out of it, but to be honest, we kind of blew our load a little early as far as like with the big-name guests. So I don't know <laughs> what type of luck we're going to have getting a big-name guest for that 100. That- 100th episode but eh, we'll see what happens regardless that's that's 29 episodes away episode 71 and it's gonna be all strategy talk and this is gonna be helpful i think there's, it's gonna be a little bit of appeal to, to all types of players because we're gonna talk a little bit of re, re, uh, redraft as a whole for, for the most part but we're gonna talk about some points leagues roto leagues categories um hunting categories i should have wrote that down i'm gonna write that down right now um Stuff like that. We're going to get into like positional scarcity, uh, auctions, et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to start very simple. We're going to just start with, let's start with overall strategy. When you enter a draft, we'll start with roto drafts as a whole. Do you have a set way, like with a, like a, a way to really enter drafts, George? Do you really just go into drafts with a certain mindset? Do you, or do you more or less let the draft fall to you? Like what's your actual overall strategy entering them? Yeah, a lot of it depends on, you know, your draft spot. And like you said, you're kind of just letting the draft fall to you. It's hard to go into a draft like with a set, um, you know, strategy. Now, like, yeah, I, I don't necessarily go in thinking that, you know, I'm going to target certain positions in certain rounds or anything like that. It's just, yeah, it's just where, where do you fall in the draft and what falls to you? And just go from there. That's pretty much how I am. I'm not one of those people that are like, oh, well, if I'm drafting first, I'll get three pitchers. Like, don't get me wrong. I can pretty much – you can almost – and I'm sure everybody here will agree. You can almost see that your first – you want to always think ahead. You want to always think, well, if I right. take this guy here, who's going to follow me there? And ADP does help with that. But overall, you can pretty much write out the first five rounds like a script. Like, you know who's going and a good chance of who you're getting. And after that, then it's really about values and taking what falls to you. So, unless it's some type of niche league, I don't go in thinking I got to get this many players. Or I gotta get this this position early. I gotta do that. You know what I mean? So right. Exactly. Yeah. Now, kind of. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, George. No, I was just gonna say, like, I I do have like a preference of like what I want to do in certain draft spots. So like you know, picking in the top end of the first versus picking at the bottom of the first. Um, there's different ways. Like you know, I like to approach it that way. But like I said, like you don't you you can't know until you know you know where you're picking okay. and what's there for you. So in the top half, what are you thinking? Well, in the top half, I think you got you got to get a hitter. I, I like to get a, a hitter that can contribute, you know, in five categories. You get someone that can, you know, help you everywhere. Um, 
as opposed to like picking at the bottom of the first round, I'm more inclined to maybe uh, take a, a pitcher if, if one is falling there. I mean, because by that time, say like, I mean, if you're picking at the end of the first, if someone isn't, someone like, you know, Francisco Lindor isn't there or a Trevor Story doesn't fall to you, like for me, instead of taking someone who isn't going to contribute in stolen bases or, you know, isn't going to help you in five categories, I feel like maybe I'm better served taking one of those top pitchers and then making up those, you know, categories, hitting categories as I go along. But having that ace, you know, set ace that's going to give you an advantage in, in pitching, um, that that's where I like to go. Zach, do you have any thoughts on this? Um, that's good stuff by George. I agree. I kind of like to uh, let the draft fall to me. Um, usually when I'm drafting, I kind of – personally, I like to just kind of write out a list of players that I'm targeting – and their ADP, just so I kind of have an idea as to where they're going. Um, depending on the size of your league, I mean, if it's a 12 or 16 uh, team league, if it's a pretty deep league, uh, there's a good chance that some guys that you're looking for are not going to make it back to you. Um, so if that's the case, and if I have to reach for somebody, I'm prepared to do that. That's kind of why I just like to be prepared beforehand with those ADPs. Um, ADP really isn't everything. Um, I know you said it before. Mike, but uh, your roster construction is key. Um, but um, ADP is helpful when there are guys that you are targeting. So I like to kind of just have that information handy. Um, in terms of what I like to do in terms of starting, um, like George said, if you have an earlier pick, I, pref- I prefer to use that on a hitter. I rarely go pitching super early. Um, but with that being said, I usually like to have at least one or two pitchers by, by round four. Um, I'm not one to just stack hitters or stack pitching. Um, I'm more of the balanced type of guy. We were talking on our previous dynasty episode about that balanced approach and that kind of sticks with redraft for me as well. So I am a, a more of a balanced kind of guy with that. Um, and also as you get deeper into the draft, um, there's other, there's positions that maybe are a little bit weaker, whether it be second base, whether it be catcher. And I would prefer personally to have, Uh, one of the top options at those positions rather than kind of just adding depth at um, a position, maybe like shortstop or outfield that's a little bit deeper. Um, I would prefer to have a Real Muto, a catcher, instead of taking like a fourth out, third or fourth outfielder at that point. So I like having the top option um, at some of those weaker positions if possible as personal preference. I'm not sure how you guys feel about that. Um, and then in terms of categories, I'm sure we'll probably get into it, but going along with my balanced approach, uh, I like to have a little bit of everything. I'm not one to punt saves, um, or stolen bases per se. I like to kind of have, um, whether it be, um, I'd like to be at the top or if, if I can't get some of the top options there, I'd like to be in the middle of the pact in a roto league, um, Personal preference, everybody does it differently, but I always take more of the balanced approach. So you basically hit every single point on this. Um, Thank <laughs> you. In a good way, <laughs> but now what I'm going to do is take little bits and part pieces of it and focus on a little bit. So the way you approach a Roto League, and this is, again, we're going to talk about points league, so I know people honestly do suggest that in general, and you see how people 
wanting more points league talk. So I'm going to make sure we definitely speak on points leagues. But for right now, we're focusing on Roto. And you, like I said, you touched on a lot of these points that we need to talk about. So we're going to kind of break down. You mentioned ADP right away. I'm big on I, – I always say don't be a slave to the ADP. If you, if you need – like, for instance, I needed – Kevin Biggio just happens to be the name comes to mind because in one of my leagues – I guess I'm drafting already. In one of my leagues this year, <laughs> I uh, – I, I think all to, three of us have reached on Kevin Biggio preseason, by the but, way. Yes, and the, and the reason why I reached on him was because his ADP suggested, like I think it was like 130, 135 at this point. I'm over here really needing speed. Like, his speed, like again, that dictated m- my team need, and I don't like the punt categories. So I jumped up and got him at like 108. And that people were like, oh, what a reach. But like, no, and I, I've learned – really quickly there's no such thing as an as, as a reach i mean there is it's within reason you don't want to say uh, all right well there's no such thing as a reach mike well the hell about i take my 50 overall <laughs> no don't be don't be dumb like <laughs> obviously within reason so like, like i say like when it's like a 20 pick 30 pick difference a couple round difference take your guy man take it's not even your guy get your need roster restriction roster roster construction is essential it is key it determined and that and trying to play the ADP game and get cute. Somebody else might not be that way. Like if you're drafting with me, you better get what you need. Cause if I need have that same need as you and you think the ADP is going to be in your favor. No. Cause if you, like I might just take them. Like I'm going to take a guy I need when I need them. If even if it's a little bit ahead of the game, but I won't pass over a value in the meantime, if somebody that falls that shouldn't fall, then that kind of screws with things. And I'll take the better value a lot of times as well, but that's a whole nother. It's not all about need, too. I mean, need is important, but if there's a guy that you want and that you've been targeting, you can't be afraid to go and get him and reach a little bit like what you did with Biggio. Well, I didn't, I didn't want him. He was a need. But I like Biggio, but he, was the, he definitely wasn't a want. And I See, I'm actually – I don't like that. I don't like to – I won't go out of my way to get somebody I want unless I need them because a want is a, is a luxury. A want doesn't win me. I want to win championships, but I won't, I won't win if I – reach on who I want over players I need. Like I've let guys go. Well, a I player that player. you want could be a player that you need. And if they are, then that that's even more beautiful and more reason to reach on them. I agree. This but is getting very philosophical here. I like but that's, what, that's what, that's what people need to hear. Cause some people are like, like, you know, you, you probably played in leagues with Mets fans or George plays with <laughs> like George plays in leagues with buddies of his and what a miserable league playing with yeah. Mets fans. Well, but you, you realize people will go and get them. If you want them, you're going to have to pay way more of a premium to get them. It's not worth it. You're losing value on them at that point. Yeah. And I'm big on value-based drafting. I want players at maximum value. And sometimes, you know, ADP suggests it wasn't good value. The draft itself dictated that that's a great value because the draft itself has pushed up everybody else. Well, now I just got this guy technically above his ADP, but still at good value because everybody else was taken above him already kind of thing. So value isn't dictated by the ADP, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. That's yeah, also not – oh, go ahead, George. No, I was just going to say, uh, Mike, I know you are big on tier-based uh, oh, ranking and, and drafting. So that – I mean, when you say, you know, value, uh, making your own tiers can, can actually help with that. Help making your own tiers can, can help tremendously ident- identify value as you're going through the draft. So that's one thing I, I highly suggest is going through, even if you don't make your own rankings, even if you know you you um, you're fi- you know you find rankings on online or, or anywhere you, you get your your rankings, like going through the list and uh, identifying you know where the tiers stop and, and maybe just highlighting those. And as you go through the draft, 
uh, it'll help you identify, you know, where you can get good value. So I just wanted to, to make that point because I know you're big on both tier based and, oh, uh, you know, please. getting value where you can. Please give me tiers are essential because like there's players I have in tiers that other people don't. And it's like, great. So I value that shows that I value them more, but you have to remind yourself, you don't have to take them as early as the other guys. So basically in, in this little, like, and I put my tiers out in my rank so people can see how I value players. I can get this guy 30 picks later, but I value him the same. I'm going to get that guy on 90% of my teams until somebody gets cute. It's like, Oh, well, I'm drafting with Mike. Watch this. <laughs> Click. Got him. Like that's going to happen. But yeah. So you're hitting a lot of my points too. Zach. Uh, I, I, it took me, it took me all like five minutes. <laughs> it took me all five minutes in the podcast. So we talked about ADP and not to be a slave to it. Zach, do you have any thoughts? On, you talked about that already actually. So you don't really need to touch on that. Um, Punting categories you also brought up. Again, I'm re-addressing every little point you you already talked about, Zach. Thank you. Yes, I actually meant Zach. Yeah, punting categories, I mean, it's not something that I tend to do. I know some people like to do that. Not in but... other leagues. I won't do it either. Like, you're 100%. You can't win an overall aspect, and it's really hard to win overall, like, the first place spot. Because, right. you know, Draft Champions yeah. has the overall aspect. We're not here to talk about Draft Champions. That's my other podcast. But um, this one, I, I'm just saying that's part of it. And then... But in general, the, the overall aspect and the first place, like winning first place, you obviously – it's hard to do when you punt any category. So, yeah. George, right. Zach already talked about all game. George, what are your thoughts on punting? I know you're trying to talk. Yeah. So talk. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's all good. Um, yeah, I just find it hard to go into a draft thinking that you're going to take a, a zero or the bare minimum of a particular category and think that, you know, you're you're going to – have a good chance at winning it when you if you come out of a draft think you know with punting a category it's like you're already for for me like you're already setting yourself behind and when we say category we know which categories we're talking about like it's it's steals and it's saves um steals are just so much harder to to come by throughout the season than anything else you know so i mean if you get at least uh you know an average at, at least like a at least a little bit of contribution there in the steals, you can kind of make that up. You can make up other categories like uh, easier than you can, you know, steals. So I just find it hard just philosophically to come out of a draft thinking like, I'm going to set myself back in this category, you know, off the bat. It's just that that's not the way that I, that I'd like to play. Yep. Agreed. I'm more of a believer in um, if you're not going to win that category, then just fight for the middle of the pack there. Get those points and take those and try to dominate your other categories. But I agree. You actually, you stated what I was actually about to state. I'm reading your mind, reading your mind tonight, man. No, it's good, man, because um, I just like to talk so much. So maybe you get to talk. It's nice. But uh, (laughs) I like that you said that like, it's such a big deal. People need to realize that you can, you don't have to win every category. You don't in a right. row league. You can be middle of the pack, maybe be like second, third overall in that category, but take advantage of that, knowing that you're not going to win it and make sure you're strengthening other spots. Because if you try too hard to be too balanced, you can be like second and third in all categories and finish third place, second place. You know what I mean? Like, so there's a weird, it's weird because we're telling you to be balanced, but you can't be too balanced. It really is almost like an art <laughs> it's like really, I really much like yeah that. i really think we, we've talked about it on previous podcasts i think the one category that just it's really a difficult category is stolen bases uh, teams just aren't running nearly as much 
Um, and the guys that do run, they hurt you in other categories. So it's really a category to, I wouldn't say focus on early, but there's a lot of good value guys in the, in the middle of the draft, whether it be guys like Kevin Biggio, like you said earlier, or Tommy Edmond, um, just good value guys in the Tommy middle. Tommy Pham keeps falling. To like Tommy Pham, he'll get you, really like, really get like you double-digit stolen bases. 20, 20. Okay, here's the thing. Everybody wants those guys. Everybody wants the power-speed combos. Everybody preaches that. There are only so many to go around. So yeah. either you have to be ahead of the game and get them all, or you need to realize I'm going to fall back, not compete and steal so much initially. And if you're in a league that trades, because people don't talk about trading enough. If you're in a league with trades – you might just need to bolster up the other categories and then hope, hope somebody is willing to trade because some people, some people might not trade you realizing, well, if I trade this to them, it's going to hurt me. So you have, you can't just, you can't bake in the idea of make like, for sure trading, but that's when it comes into technically like, Oh, people are like, Oh, well you lost the trade. There's no such thing as losing a trade if it helps your team. Yeah. If I give, I will give up, I will give up Stanton as a bad example because he got hurt. I'll give, I, but I will give up a top three. Like say, okay, you know how much I like, fine. Well, Pete Alonzo third round pick, He's hitting home runs. He's doing his thing, whatever. I will trade you him for a closer, and people will be like, oh, you're nuts. Not if I'm 30 home runs ahead and need 30 saves to catch up. Like, that, that's huge. You don't, you don't want to hurt yourself. Obviously, that's going to hurt your home run output and all that, but maybe it's an extreme example. But my point is, is I'm willing to overpay for something else I need if it's going to help my team in the long run. That might have been, like, an extreme example, but you get my point, I hope. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I haven't had Zach uh, George talking in a while, so let's figure out. I, I yeah, your name's on, I'm done. Um, <laughs> punting categories. We just call about him. How about, how, just call him Roto Nino from now Nino. on. Nino, El Nino, El Roto Nino. Roto Nino. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta roll the R's. Uh, overall draft strategy we talked about strengths and weak. Oh, what are you? Okay, do you have your own perceived strengths and weaknesses? I think that's a good thing. People being self-aware of your strengths and weaknesses can affect your draft. It has in the past for me, as far as like, and it still kind of does how I attack the early rounds. So we'll start with you, George. Your strengths and weaknesses, at least your perceived strengths and weaknesses, as far as like your player evaluations, I guess, and what how that affects you in the earlier rounds or in your in your team, uh, for informing your team. Well, I started off uh, playing, you know, fantasy baseball. I started off in points leagues, which we're gonna get so- to shortly. I promise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, for me, I'm relatively new to, you know, Roto. And uh, Roto leagues tend to be, you know, deeper, deeper leagues. So and now, you know, being this, you know, playing this analyst role for the last year, it, it's gotten me to kind of really uh, broaden, you know, my view of, you know, all these players that I'm looking at. And so I've just found myself like, you know, players that I would overlook before because, you know, maybe they weren't relevant in the type of types of leagues I was, I was playing in. You can't overlook now in, in, in these deeper, you know, Roto leagues, like a, a lot more players, you know, have value. So that's just one thing I'm finding myself uh, just getting used to looking at, you know, a deeper player pool. Uh, Zach, same question. Do you have a perceived strength or weakness? And if so, how does that affect your teams? So I kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier. Um, a big weakness for me last year was targeting stolen bases. Um, I had a few roto leagues where I finished second place, and it's because I was at the bottom of the standings in stolen bases. And if I was a little bit more towards the middle of the pack, I probably would have won both of those leagues. So my goal this year is to target not stolen bases in the early like first few rounds, but if it if happens to fall to me, then great. But um, I definitely want to 
have stolen bases on my eye in the middle value rounds, like I mentioned before. Um, just instead, I, I, I find myself finding good power bats in the middle to late rounds. I need to do that better with stolen bases. Uh, just need a more balanced approach on all categories rather than focusing on just a few categories. So that's something that I'm looking to improve on this year. Um, and we haven't really touched upon saves too much. Um, I always find myself at the top of saves categories just because I like to play the wire, waiver wire with, with saves. Um, usually I don't draft closers very early. Um, I'll take like a mid-pack guy. Um, last year we were hyping up guys like Brad Hand, Felipe Vasquez, um, just other good quality guys that maybe weren't the top tier. So I usually try to focus on a guy like that. One or Nothing two. Nothing good or quality about Vasquez, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> just thought I'd make sure. We, we, really... we won't get into that. He's he's a non um, name. We will we will not discuss this year. Oh, but yeah, anyway, did. way to go. Um, just, uh, I don't go for the tier one guys. I like to go for maybe tier two, tier three type closers and then play the wire. Um, if you're active, a lot of, a lot of our listeners appear to be at pretty active on Twitter. If you're active on Twitter, um, then you'll probably be ahead of the game in terms of baseball news. Um, if you're on top of that stuff, then yeah, closer is a very volatile position and there's a lot of turnover. We saw Blake trying to lose his job pretty pretty quickly to Hendricks. Um, guys like Hector Neris were huge last year. So there's there's a lot of turnover at the position. And if you're if you pay attention and if you're on top of your game with that, then you should be able to get some of those guys. And that should be, I wouldn't say an easy category, but it's a it's a category that you really can win on the waiver wire. Perfect. So we I don't want to and we can kind of sum up categories leagues. I know this is like a hard transition, but we can kind of sum up categories leagues. Essentially we, I don't know about you. I treat them essentially the same with the caveat of categories leagues being typically head to head categories. So I will actually, this is when I will punt a category. I will punt saves or punt steals to strengthen up all those categories. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know if I just transitioned too hard, kind of going right into it, but it's just kind of, you were just talking about steals and all that. And I'm like, oh, I just wish I could punt them. And that's kind of where my head went, like, into categories leagues. Like, I will treat them just like roller leagues, just to reiterate. But I do tend to punt one specific category to make all my other categories that much stronger because I, and it also, it depends on how they score them. Some score them, like right. say you have, say you have 10 categories, someone will score. Like if you win seven, they win three, you get a seven, three record. If you score, right. if you win seven, they get three, you get a one and oh record. That one's a little tougher to punt one because now you're giving yourself a, a minus, you know, you're giving yourself a less of an edge each week. So know your formats. I feel like we should have said that at the very beginning, know your point, uh, your rankings, your structures, your formats, yeah, no scoring format, no at all. So, but as far as categories goes, I like to do that. I know George, you like to mention, I like to do that because I just always say how much I love to punt the category. So when it comes to categories leagues, do you guys have any real differences as far as how you attack them compared to roto leagues? Maybe yeah. also punt the category. <laughs> I mean, like what you were just saying, I, I personally, I, I don't do that. I do not punt, but what I like to do is, um, I like to know my opponent. If my opponent is somebody that has guys, um, they have like Yelich, Tatis, um, Story, just guys that run a lot, uh, Mondesi. Uh, if, if this guy is throwing out a bunch of these guys, uh, if it's like a weekly 
not even weekly. It could be weekly or daily. But if my opponent has a bunch of stolen base guys and I know that I'm not going to win that category, most likely, then maybe I'll put in somebody else and try and get a boost in another category. That's kind of the approach that I do. Rather than just completely punting a category, I try to see my opponent's squad and what they have to offer. And if I if I know that I don't stand a chance, whether it be uh, they have strong starting pitching or strong closers or um, good contact hitters, then I'm going to maybe try and get a boost in another category if I have a strong bench, that is. If not, then I'm just going to have to roll with the, the cards that I was given. But, yeah, I just try to know my know your opponent and see what they have to offer and base your lineup decisions on that. Yeah, okay, I guess that's all there is. <laughs> I don't know, it's was, was kind of... It's probably checking, checking Twitter. Definitely checking Twitter. Anyway, <laughs> I, keep, I, I keep saying this, you don't tweet and podcast but i'm just so busy on twitter i'm trying to gather because we have questions to answer later too so i'm trying to i'm still trying to gather those and i'm being tagged and stuff and oh i'm just so popular these days you know you should put you should put that on a shirt that should be a slogan don't tweet and podcast that would be such a good you know what maybe i'll put on the next mug i order i'm looking (laughs) forward to that mug by the way i actually did order it on the back it does say coffee equals tangible change so i'm actually really happy about that (laughs) because for those who don't know maybe some new listeners i love tangible change so just gonna make sure I emphasize that. So maybe I'll make some weird mole mugs. Maybe sell two. Maybe sell none. I don't care because I like them. Anyway, enough with that. No, selfish promotion. Self, self, selfless promotion. No, whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't <laughs> Tired. It's getting late. We've been doing this for a while. So let's talk about points leagues now. I think it's a good time to transition to points leagues. And um, overall, I lied. It's not a good time. You know what? Let's stick to Roto and Categories Leagues real quick. George, give me your thoughts on your SP strategy as a whole. People really tend to ask about this on Twitter. I completely forgot to mention this, and I think these are very important. SP and RP strategies, what do you – like, do you enter draft first? Like, I think the early rounds are really what matter the most to people. So, I guess, like, how do you – do you have, like, a set amount you, like, target in your top 25? Do you, like, how do you address RPs? Just give me all that. And then, Zach, I'm going to have you answer the same question after him. So if you don't want to wait for me to ask you, you know what to do. I think um, just the way pitching has been trending in, in, you know, recent years, I think it's just so important to have, you know, one of those top guys at least, you know, like uh, in your top, like, 15 to 20. I like to have at least two, two to three. Um, Now, as far as drafts go, it it depends. It it really depends also on the format, uh, how many teams – so, like, in a 15-team league, I'm more likely to draft one of the top uh, pitchers, like, in the, in the first round, second rounds. Uh, I, I recently did a, a mock draft uh, put together by the guys at uh, Fantasy Sports Addicts. It was a, an industry mock. And I got the 12th pick. And I ended up getting DeGrom and Scherzer with my first two picks. Uh, just because, like I said, mentioned earlier, like, just none of those guys that were going to help me in, like, five categories were – were there at 12. Like, no, there wasn't a Trevor story. Uh, even Tatis was gone. Uh, no Lindor. So I thought, you know what? Uh, if I'm not going to get a guy who is going to, you know, be tops in, you know, five categories, let me just take one of these pitchers. And I, I went ahead and double tapped the pitchers in the first two rounds with DeGrom and Scherzer. And I actually really liked how my draft turned out. I, my next few picks, uh, I went, Meadows, uh, Cattell Marte, Victor Robles, Jorge Soler. Uh, so, and I like that. I mean, I got a little bit of everything there. I got uh, some, some average, some power. 
uh, some speed there. So I actually really liked how, how that turned out. So I think I'm coming around to the uh, two aces strategy, at least in like, you know, these 15 team leagues. In a 12 team league, I think I'm more likely to, you know, go ahead and get the top hitters because there's so many pitchers I like that in the, in the middle, you know, 20 to 20 to 30 or 20 to 35 that I can, I know that I'll be able to get multiple of them, you know, uh, in a 12 team league. Um, you're not going to do that in a 15 team league. I think it's more important to have one of these top guys, like in a 12 team league, I'll be fine. If one of, if my first pitcher is like a Luis Castillo in the, in the fourth round um, or a Lucas Giolito, like I can back that up with guys like, Woodruff and then Sonny Gray and um, you know uh, Frankie Montas a bunch of guys that that you like you you'll you'll be able to do that uh, you because it, it's shallower so that that's just kind of where my observate where what I've observed so far you know uh, this early on in this draft season because I, I have done a few drafts now and uh and quite a few mocks and stuff so that that's just my early observations um so Zach I guess I will transition to you. <laughs> what's your what's your what's your starting pitcher idea? What's your idea of attacking the position as a whole entering draft season so far? No, I mean George said it very well there. Um, I like to go with the way the dominoes fall. Um, deeper leagues, I agree. I'd like to probably take a pitcher within one of those first two picks um, because uh, ideally, if you're in 15, 16 team type league, um, if you wait on a pitcher, if you take hitter, hitter first, um, there's really going to be slim pickings on the way back there. Um, I think it's, it's ideal to get one of those top 20, top 25 pitchers. You really want an ace type guy, um, at least one on your team. So I agree the deeper the league, I definitely think going pitcher earlier is a good idea. Um, but in your standard 12, 10, 12 team leagues, um, yeah, I mean, I think later you can definitely wait. There's, pitchers. there's some great value late. Um, like the, some of the names that George has thrown out there, there's definitely some great value in there. Um, so it really, it just, it depends the way the dominoes fall in the draft and your draft position. But, um, like I said earlier, I like the balanced approach. I'm not one to just go pitcher, pitcher, unless, um, like in George's case, where DeGrom and Scherzer fell to him just because he felt the value was not there with the hitters that late. I'm okay with that. But typically that's not something that I would do. But like I said, it really just depends on how the dominoes fall in your league and every league is different. So uh, it's just something to look out for. Yeah. My personal strategy with pitching is similar deeper leagues. I put more of a focus on it as well. So I'm not going to stress on it, but I won't go past the third round without a pitcher. Uh, Maybe the fourth. The fourth, because I, I do a lot of 15-teamers. I really do. I do the Draft Champions Leagues. That's thus the other podcast I do. And focuses on and the latest I've taken a pitcher, I've taken one at least in my first three rounds. And what I like to do specifically is to try to get two in my top 20, maybe three pitchers in my top 25. So I do get pitching early on because I really like that. I really like having a strong higher end of um, like a top end of my pitchers because I'm so comfortable with those lower end guys that I want some safety. I think getting some strong high end guys at top is really important in those deeper leagues and then vice versa as well in the shallower formats. I just take the best available. I don't care position. The highest person, the person I want the most that's available at my pick, I'm taking them starting pitching. I'm not as stressed about because there's just that much more available throughout the draft. So 
Yeah, it's a good point. I know Zach said earlier that how he likes to uh, have like the best player at a certain position. And I think that's uh, even more so, you know, that that should be emphasized more so in shallower leagues, you know, like your 12 team leagues. And just to bounce off of some of the points you guys were making, um, the starting pitcher, yeah, I, I just don't really want to wait for those mid-tier guys, especially in a deep league. I don't really want to get burned with Noah Syndergaard or Trevor Bauer <laughs> or Mike Soroka as my number one guy. I really Welcome don't. To me. Welcome to me last yeah, year. Yeah, we, we, saw, we saw how that worked out for you last year. It no offense. That's like not. Week. It worked for a week. But, yeah, like those were guys that were hyping uh, up. And oh, yeah, I was very – uh, I've been very upfront since the beginning like if you listen to my early podcast heck i had a guy mention that i was right on all my early podcasts last year and i was like you must not have heard everything because <laughs> i was right the reason why i was right is because you probably heard about the ones i was talking about hitters because yeah. I, I i honestly hit like i was big on moose bell Jorge polanco etc cetera, etc cetera. like i was like i i don't i don't think i'll have a great that good of a year on hitters ever again but my pitcher analysis. <laughs> I was uh, Thor and Bauer were my main two. Like I had to have them on every team, so I pretty much had them on every team. And yeah. so I think I've done better this year. I really do. I, I like my ranks. I'm really I, I back them up. I'm comfortable with them. But obviously now there's a little like recency bias in my own mind. Like I hope I don't do wrong again because if, if like you know once you learn your lesson twice it becomes a bad habit. You know what I mean? Like we'll see. So but based on what see. based on what you've been hyping up preseason, another person that I do not want as my number one pitcher on a deep league team is Brandon Woodruff. Oh, he won't be if he's dude. <laughs> I'm I'm not taking him as number one, <laughs> and I love him. Like there's I mean he, yeah. he, I rank him higher than most. I have him at twenty in my rankings, but he's going as like the twenty fifth or. 30th pitcher off the board in those deeper formats right now, like in NFC. So you don't have, if you're taking my SP one, you really, really, really waited on pitching. <laughs> like that's like, that's ridiculous. Like you waited way too long. So that's, that's your own fault at that point. Anyway, <laughs> RPs, my personal opinion lately in the deeper leagues, I've been very, very oddly enough. I've really enjoyed getting one high end guy because those are bankable saves for the most part, because right mm-hmm. now, especially right now, there's so many question marks it, it's that time of the year you can't you can't say for sure who's getting the opportunities but normally i know where you guys are both going to agree but as far as deeper leagues go i find myself liking i've gotten chapman on the team i've gotten yates on the team and i've really liked it because it allows me to sit back and wait till like you get to those brandon workman types at the you know the bottom end of like the 20th overall closer and stuff and i like pairing those two together because you have one sure thing one not so sure but solid option or potential and then you get a third one if you can't like a Scott Oberg late. And that's kind of – I was surprised. I really like the way that so far I've liked how I've, I've, I've attacked that. So I'm not sure how that's going to transition to 12-teamers. But I find myself liking, for the first time ever, getting one really good closer and then backing it up with like two lower-end guys compared to the sitting in the middle. Now, I'm pretty sure both of you like to sit in the middle, but I'll let you both say that first before I just speak for you. So, George, we'll go to you this time again. Is that kind of how you address it? Kind of the middle guys. I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually right there with you. I, wow. I like, yeah, I really like uh, grabbing one of the top three guys uh, in Hader, Yates, or Chapman, uh, and then waiting a while, waiting a while until like you know past pick 200, and then grabbing a Brendan Workman, uh, Archie Bradley, uh, a couple of relievers and waiting uh, closers and waiting like a Giovanni Gallegos uh, later on, and a, a bunch of really good middle relievers. Like you know, like you said, like those are bankable saves. But not only that, those top three guys are helping you so much in your ratios as well. That 
and, and this is especially if I'm going starting heavy starting pitcher early, I like to complement them with one of those top relievers that are really going to secure those ratios down. So, and then uh, picking up more saves later on down the line. So that, that's where I'm at, especially, you know, in these deeper leagues. Which is weird because I was not this guy last year. And I did fine with – and it, it comes with, you know, you have to be extra aggressive on the waiver wire, but not every league has waivers. So it depends on the type of format as well. That, that goes back to format. Yeah, so. there's just so many question marks after – for me, that middle tier, that second tier, there's just so many question marks. Like with Brad Hand, um, you know, he you had those injury you just, concerns. You just and, did all this RP stuff, so you're – well, hello. Sorry. <laughs> Somebody, you calling? You phoning a friend for some answers here? Like this isn't the price. This isn't the price, right? This isn't the million. Uh, who wants to be a millionaire, man? You're good. You can come up with your own thoughts. That was a terrible joke. Anyway, that was. Anyway. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll get into RPs more, you know, in depth uh, next week. But RP review, yeah. Yeah, in our RP review. But I, I'm with you right there. I, I like that strategy. I've found myself really coming around to that taking one of those top guys just because like I said they they help you so much in, in strikeouts in your ratios and your whip you know your whip your ERA all that stuff so I like that I, I like that and then waiting later on for one of those uh, later value guys I, by the way I love Brett, Brandon Workman this season so yeah, that was so a good call I, that's why I named him. <laughs> like, oh, he's very undervalued Zach what are what's your thoughts on the RP as a whole and your strategy when, when attacking it so relievers, um, I agree. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge hater fan, but at the right price point. Um, I don't love to reach for him super early, although he does help you in a lot of those categories. But if he does fall to you at the right, pl- right price, I'm all for, for him, Ozuna or Chapman. Um, personally, I'm not a big Kirby Yates, Kenley Jansen fan, but I, I like – that next year um, I'm intrigued by Liam Hendricks this year. I'm intrigued by a bounce back year from Craig Kimbrell or Edwin Diaz. Oh, it pains me to say that. <laughs> um, but there's some other guys, uh, Ken Giles, uh, Taylor Rogers, Ian Kennedy was a guy that I had on a lot of teams last year. He was a, a free pickup basically mid season. Um, mm-hmm. Alex Colome. I'm always, I've always been a fan of him. Um, just sneaky, good numbers year after year. Um, I'm intrigued by the Rays situation with Pagan, um, whether or not he keeps that job over Nick Anderson, I don't know. Um, and one, one other name that I keep, I just keep coming back to It's the Cleveland Indians closing situation. I'm sure we'll find out more about this as the season goes on, but I don't think hand keeps that job all season. Uh, I think he's a trade candidate and the guy, I, I think George, I was reading your article. I think you're, you're high on that Emmanuel class a class guy, but I am, I'm all for the other guy in Karen check. He's got lethal stuff and it's, it's closer type stuff with that high, high, uh, high nineties fastball and that nasty hook. So it wouldn't surprise me if one of those guys takes over the job, but it just goes to show you that there's a lot of turnover with this position and I'm confident in finding some value late. Although guys like Hader and Chapman um, are, are great bets at the right price. Well, that's RPs and that kind of as a whole is going to just do roto leagues and categories leagues. So Zach, I know you got to go. We'll let you hop out of here. Appreciate you joining us for this half. Me and George are going to run through the point stuff and, and, the, and the questions. So, All right, guys. Enjoy, and I'll catch all you right, all next man. time. Yes, sir. I'll all right. You. That was 
Zach Braff, our resident celebrity, not the real one. He's not that cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Anyways, now on the points leagues, George. There's not a lot to cover that we haven't, but I think there's, you know, some vast differences in points leagues. So as a whole, with points leagues, I don't think we need to go over overall strategy. I think it's very similar. But the difference is, is I will actually, when it comes to starting pitching is where the biggest difference. Actually, pitching start, I think, actually, there's a lot of differences. Holy crap. Okay. <laughs> starting pitching as a whole takes it gets a huge boost in value. So I will actually go out and grab like two or three in the first three to four rounds, like no problem. Yeah. I don't know, but I don't know how you feel about starting pitching. Like, I'll take a good hitter first, but I really starting pitching is really where the bread and butter is as far as the money to be made on points leagues. I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, pitching in in points leagues, really, what you want is is volume. You want good quality volume, but really, you want volume. You want strikeouts. Um, the more innings you get, the more you know the likelihood you have to pick up those wins, quality starts, strikeouts. Those are all things that you know. Can can be big uh, big point values in in leagues. So um, you mentioned earlier paying attention to your league settings. So that's honestly in points leagues, it's it's the most important is knowing your league settings, checking to see what you can exploit. Um, and pitching a lot of times, p- pitching is exploited in points leagues uh, because because of the volume you can get. You, you know, in, in points leagues, now you wouldn't you think of it like, okay, a 4.5 ERA, like that's not really going to do much for you in a roto league, in a category league. But I mean, that's the baseline for a quality start, right? I mean, so you're not really worried about, about that, but if a guy can get plenty of quality starts, that's going to rack up points quick. That That's just kind of where things differ. And then also like, if you, if you're, if you have like, in, especially in a daily lineup league, you're coming up at the end of your week. You have a, a guy that had maybe two starts and in a categories league, you might, if it's like a, you know, mid-tier guy, kind of say like a Robbie Ray, you might not be inclined to start him for that second start if you need to protect like, you know, your whip or your ERA. But in a points league, you're going to throw him out there because, you know, you, you know he's going to get you points, going to get you strikeouts. Exactly. And... I just, I mean, that's all you can really say. Like, you got to get your, like, starting pitching is just that important. It's really important in points leagues. Right. And speaking of that, it's like, Mm -hmm. that kind of takes away from relief pitchers I really avoid, except with this caveat. Grab starting pitchers with relief pitcher eligibility. They gain a huge boost because now you can plug in them. You can plug them in as a start. They're going to get starters innings and starters points in your relief spot. So, other outside of like your really good relief pitchers, they get a lot of like, attempt, like uh, save attempts or save opportunities is the proper terminology. Um, outside of those types of closers, you want these like Carlos Carrasco is a really big one this year. And then yeah, I think you have Urias, Maeda, like all these Dodgers pitchers, basically Alex mm-hmm. Wood. Like you have all these guys that should have really pitch eligibility that can be really valuable points leagues that get a boost. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's good to have those guys just because you know. Closers, I mean, closers are volatile in, in general, but uh, especially like in weekly leagues, even the best ones, you don't know if they're going to get used that week. You know, uh, sometimes they're volatile week to week. Yeah, based on team context, you don't know, you know, how their usage is going to look. But if you have a guy that you could put in that spot that you know is going to get a start, that might or just two. be a safer, right, a start or two. And that's a big thing too. I mean, two start pitchers are 
just so so valuable in points leagues. Uh, yeah, because, because it's, a weekly, it's a weekly format, so you can't just a, stream them daily. Right, most it is a weekly. Say. Most of them are weekly formats. Yeah, yeah, most point leagues are, are weekly, you know, head-to-head formats. So, I mean, you want as many pitchers on your roster as you can as you can get because the more pitchers you have, the more chances of, you know, of you having, you know, good two-start options week in and week out. So that's really going to – that can really put you ahead. That can – something like that can, that can carry you to your playoffs, really, you know, just having a bunch of two-start pitchers, you know, week in and week out. And on the flip side of things now, because obviously we talk about the pitching, you get to the hitting, and it's pretty much the same thing. It's just you you devalue stolen bases. You People that strike out a lot also take a hit. But if they strike out a lot and at least have a really good OBP, that helps. But your high on base guys, your big power bats, your Snows, your Schwarbers, those guys really like – obviously what's his face for the Indians? Um, Wow, name just gave me Carl Santana. Those guys all jump up in value, whereas you have guys like Mondesi, um, Tatis Jr. to a point. Obviously, he's not just a rabbit, but you get my point. Like guys like with strikeout and less on base, and yeah, you know, Danny Tatis, Santana is a Danny Santana's perfect because Tatis right. was a terrible idea. Tatis, a, a, a terrible example. I think Tatis is actually good no matter what format, but Danny Santana was perfect, uh, and Mondesi. Those are the two names that really. Those are guys that I don't. I wouldn't touch. I would love. I, they it could be pick two hundred. I doubt I'm taking either one. To be honest, <laughs> like that's how. Like I don't want them. They're going to be negative in almost every aspect except for like they're just not that good in this format. You know. Yeah, just because you know steals, you're not worried about that category really. Like you're going through your draft. There's there's at no point are you conscious about like oh man I need to get steals. No, like so you nice. just want it's almost a relief. <laughs> it. I mean, yeah, it, it, it is and. I mean, I, I enjoy a good points league, you know, and just... I don't, but the idea of not worrying about a category is kind of nice. Like, the idea of it, I just, you know me, I'm not, I've never been a big points guy, so... Yeah, yeah, so one, one good thing to look at, I mean, is, like, OPS. Because those are going to be the top point scorers in, in points leagues. Guys That's who have true. a big OPS, uh, on-base and slugging percentage. Uh, you could think of that as, like... You could think of on-base as, like, a, kind of a... How, how often a guy is going to go up to the plate and at least score you one point, you know, and then slugging, obviously home runs and extra base hits play up in, in points just because they're worth so much more than everything else. So uh, yeah, OPS is probably a good, a good stat to look at when you're considering, you know, drafting for, for points leagues. Yeah, you know, it definitely is. And I forgot what I was going to say, Oh, ADP. ADP, this is when ADP really needs to be exploited because people go into these drafts and they see the ADP and they see the ranks on these sites. And people don't realize that both of those, ADP and ranks, are 90% of the time catered to Roto and category leagues. So you really have to play with the ADP, come up with your own ranks or find rankings that you really enjoy. I might try to get some points leagues rankings, point league rankings out there because – there's just I don't see a lot of that out there. Most of them, including my own, I'm guilty. Mine are catered to roto leagues. They just are. That's just like the industry consensus. So because of that, the the sites you play on typically cater to that as well. So the ADP is really all over the place. So a guy like Snow might be going 130 in this league, but he's a top 100 pick in points leagues. So you have to be mindful of that. This is the format where you have to like, if you reach for a guy, it's not really reaching because 
those rankings and things are set for the are, are set for different types of uh, leagues. So you just have to be mindful of that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I, I it's something I just again I've been such a slave to ADP for so long I just can't help but emphasize don't be one. I used to because <laughs> I can't tell you how many times where oh he's he's buried in the ADP he'll fall to me. Not if you play with smart people he, they're gone they're like son of a gun. You thought you were you thought you were gonna be cute and somebody got cuter you know. Yeah. So that kind of leads right. Last thing I'm gonna touch on because auction is something I do a lot of, and overall, I mean, I it's it's really fluid and dynamic. We actually have a couple questions, at least one question on the auction strategy. So I won't spend too much time on a broad, so doing the broad overview of them. But auction is just so much fun for me. I love them, and they truly, truly change uh, draft by draft. Completely different. Like I've come out of every. I I always make sure I get one stud for sure. But I try to go stud like if it's the shallower the league, the more likely I am to go stud dud. And what stud dud is, you you spend a big portion of your money on the higher end pieces. You know your ace, your you get a couple high end pitchers, a couple high end bats. You skip the middle tier guys and you kind of go what I call bargain bin shopping, picking out your one to five dollar players to fill out your roster. And in shallow formats, because you have the waiver wire usually full of talent as well. It works out. It's more likely to work out. In deeper formats, I tend to go more of like a balance. Like I'll spread my money out evenly, fill out my team more, and because the waiver wire is a lot thinner. So that's the overall. There's a little more to it than that, but because they're so dynamic, you can find you'll find like for instance Chapman last year. Chapman, he would go ten dollars in one league and five in another because of how money gets spent and thrown around. You really just yeah. they, they truly are that dynamic. You don't know where the values are going to fall in any given draft. There's times where taking the studs like you get your first couple guys the first couple guys off the board because people are are too gun shy to pull the trigger on spending the money you actually find some of those being the best values because then you have teams that don't spend any money early and now the guys you thought you would get discounts on they're all being priced up because these guys like there's two people with money outbidding everybody so there's so much to look into with, with auction leagues it's so much fun but man is it it's just it's 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 something that keeps you on your toes more than your average league because you have to constantly adapt as the draft um, changes because there's so much going on in that draft so yeah that's gonna cover auction leagues we can get and i think that's gonna cover strategies Are there any other strategy points i mean we really this is legitimately like the strategy podcast of the off season i will be posting this multiple times throughout for because we're gaining new listeners every day which we are super thankful for so oh yeah we're, absolutely we're gonna be drop this podcast is gonna be a very popular one you're gonna see on our twitter feed so i apologize in advance but we're gonna drop this probably once every two or three weeks to remind people hey strategy this is going to help a lot we're getting a lot of new ears a lot of people just came back into fantasy baseball a lot of people don't aren't aren't as familiar with fantasy baseball as you know as maybe some of our our typical listeners are so this podcast is really to cater to help people you know get a grasp of you know ideas entering their draft that's all so i think that should have gone without being said but i said it anyway so yeah, you know, I think maybe maybe a good idea for us uh if we have time before before the season starts is maybe doing a mock draft of, you know, each of these formats uh and then maybe kind of discussing it uh from there. I think that maybe uh something we could do later on if we've got the time. Dude, when it comes to, when it comes to mock drafts, you know I'm always game and honestly, I want to do some listener mocks anyway. So we'll get that on because we're gonna be doing like we're gonna be doing some live AMAs and stuff anyway because I want to get that YouTube channel going. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll definitely plan it out because obviously pretty busy these days. No, not 
no one cares about how busy I am. Just hard to make time for everything I want to do. I have all these projects and not enough time to do them. So I'm going to have to start spreading the wealth and seeing what everybody else can see what the availability for everybody else is, but we'll get to that another day. Let's get to these questions. So these are your strategy based questions. And I did get a couple for NFBC and I have addressed it with my, with the co-host, the other Zach on the other podcast. And we're going to save those for the NFBC format uh, podcast that we do. So I know you guys asked them for this podcast, but because that's such a niche, we're going to save them for that podcast. Cause that's what that podcast is for. So hope you guys don't mind. But other than that, we're going to move on to the other questions. So, okay. Michael Smith at MTS. Oh, MT Smitty 66. I bought the black book and Jeff says to never throw out a guy you want ever. I disagree because your budget can be dependent on goodness. This is a, sorry, there's so much to it. Okay. So because your budget can be dependent on bargains and value, even at the beginning of the draft, if there are five picture pitchers, it sounds like an auction question. Yeah. You can wait till the fifth one to be thrown out. So he's, it's more of a statement. And Michael Smith's a good guy. He actually, he's been very active on Twitter late with us. So I have no problem trying to help him out, but to never throw out a guy you want, it really is dependent. Again, I, I was mentioning the fluid, like the fluidity of that format. And you just don't know. There are times where I've thrown out a guy. I'm like, you know what? I like him. I really want him, but there's so much money. Like I don't have any money. There's a lot of money on the board. Maybe he'll sneak by. Maybe he won't. It's worked out in both. It's worked out in my favor before. And it also has burned me in the past. So ultimately it's a 50, 50 shot. It feels like, so to say to never do it, it is, I, I usually don't say there's no such thing as never, but I, my experiences have been 50, 50 for the most part. And I know it's a cop out, but it truly has really been dictated by just the draft itself. It's, there's not much to that. It's hard to say for sure what's right and what's wrong. I think you're more likely to get your guy majority of the time when you don't throw your own guy out there, but to say it doesn't work, would be a lie as well so that's about all i got with it's definitely it's definitely an auction question i was just trying to formulate my idea around answering it ron right. lewis at r underscore lewis seven do you believe in starting only a few players or benching players when having a large lead to win categories in the roto is a viable strategy or bs elaborate so basically he <laughs> wants to know if you have a large lead to win categories in roto or i guess in categories league oh, in a roto league it says why would you I mean, if I have such a large I mean I'm guessing in roto leagues usually you don't know you wouldn't be sitting players unless it's towards the end of the year so by then you have a good idea of how you can win right. and all that and dude whatever strategy wins you games do it exactly like period exactly there's nothing wrong I don't think there's anything wrong with this what do you think like I have no problem. I don't think there's anything wrong with it either I mean if you have a large lead like you earned it you you earned that lead you know you do what you have to do to get that W it's it, it, it's maybe it's un, maybe it's one of those like oh it's like an unwritten rule but I mean I'm not gonna lie there's been times where it's like oh well I'm I'm up seven home runs and my batting average is like three points higher than this guy why am I gonna start a Miguel Sano on the final day I don't need the home runs and the and he can hurt that batting average enough to make me lose it so I'm hedging my bet there that's all and if I lose say so if the guy outproduces me that's my own fault too because that's part of me messing up like oh maybe I should have started him like. exactly there's so much that goes into these things and that's what i love about that's why i love roto leagues and i I referenced it today on the other podcast me and the other zach played one last year me and him flip-flopped first and third place on the final day 
<laughs> on the final day of the season. I, I won it, and he went to third place. Like, we flip-flopped. It was awesome. Neither yeah. one of us took second, though. So that's the weird part. But, yeah, so I guess, like, do I believe in it? I guess I do. I mean, I'm, I, I don't typically do it, but I have done it in the past on a small scale. Like, a couple players, never, like, a full-on team benching. But, like you said, if you earned it, period. Like, there's nothing wrong with it at all. As far as categories go, same thing. Like, on the final day of a week, why wouldn't – I just want to touch on categories leagues in case that's what he's referring to as well. Um, same thing. I would – if you're winning it handsomely, why risk hurting your other categories? That's right. how I look at it. Especially if it's a – especially if it's a one category – like a one category strength guy. It has a chance to hurt you everywhere else. No point in adding that risk. So, all right. At Steven Swan, oh, I was NFBC format. Appreciate the question anyway, though, man. We will answer it on the other podcast. Um, for the draft champions, another one. Okay, <laughs> that was like the first three. I was like, oh man, maybe I went the wrong route. So, oh yeah, in a fourteen-team mixed league that substitutes OBP for average, total bases for home runs, and innings pitched for wins. Like, so I guess some targets. Um, this is from Aaron Evanhouse. So at a Evanhouse, that's easy. Um, there's a lot fourteen team mix, so like maybe you want some like maybe some early. Okay, so guys like Soroka and Grinky probably gain value because you know you're gonna get your innings pitched there, and they were probably gonna get you wins too. But you know they're gonna probably get you two hundred innings. Soroka, I I don't see why he wouldn't be that type of pitcher. Maybe a Kyle Hendricks even. So somebody like that might gain a little bit of value. I don't know if I would necessarily target them, but yeah, I'm thinking okay. it's awesome names. I don't know if some names pop into your head for this as far as like on the innings pitch part. And so innings pitch is substituted for wins. Yeah, that I would definitely not use middle relievers. I'll tell you that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, in this kind of situation, maybe you don't really look at team context as much. So maybe like a Jeff Samarja would have helped you a, a lot more last season. Um, yeah, maybe well, like a he wants Marcus Stroman. <laughs> so Stroman's a great. That's actually a really good one. I think I think so. Knowing that innings pitch is a category, you still want to get quality innings though, because you don't want a guy that's going to drag down your other categories to fill one. But innings pitch is easier to fill than wins, and you can chase. You don't need to chase those middle relievers as much because now you can get your innings from starters. So I'm trying to think of somebody that could be decent. You know, those mid round guys with K upside. You would think just coming off a of damn SP podcast, I'd be way more prepared to talk about it to talk about these <laughs> names. But for some reason, names are escaping me. Oh, look, I happen to have my ranks up. Let's see. So, in the early rounds, like, okay, somebody like a Patrick Corbin, that's a great guy to get. Like, he's boring, but you're getting a solid floor and innings pitch, you know, it's going to be close to 200. So, I like, I like Corbin a lot. I think Giolito could be that guy, Nola. Guys that maybe aren't mm-hmm. going to give you higher than a K per inning, but you know you're getting the innings, gain the value. So, it's like guys like those. Um I do like – I think Trevor Bauer and Thor could be solid. Corey Kluber, good name. Lance Lynn, quite sneaky little, you know, 180-plus inning guy with a K-per-inning type of guy. Yeah, maybe um, like a Madison Bumgarner. Mad Bum, David Price. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's a lot of names. Like, So, I think we beat that one. I think we beat that dead horse into the ground, right? That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's man. why I made it. People, people might not know that saying, but it's a saying on this podcast because I really screwed up the saying one night. So, we're sticking with it. So, that's the inning pitch X aspect. Total bases, I wouldn't really treat it much more, that, much differently than home runs. Like, you still want right. a guy hitting home runs. But somebody that hits a lot of doubles, like a Nick Castellanos, really stands out as somebody that might gain value. 
Exactly. Yeah, like a Nick Castellanos. Harper. Um, Harper hits a lot of doubles. Um, because I play in a league that actually has doubles as a stat. So it's like I know Conforto hits a good amount of doubles. So your power guys are still favorable in that for in, in for that for that target for that um total bases. But somebody that yeah, just like if again, we're looking Castellanos, at Castellanos is a big one for total bases. Yeah, if we're looking at because he's mentioning this this league specifically, it's both OBP and total bases. So maybe someone that we mentioned earlier, like Kevin Biggio. Yeah, uh, Harper again. Harper, I love Harper in this format. He's almost like a top fifteen player in this format. Like Harper is a great target to go after. Conforto again just makes sense. Um, maybe Kepler, Sano, Sano, Sano really really like Sano in this format. OBP mm-hmm. total bases. He's gonna hit fifty this year. I swear. So, I think we hit a few a good a good amount of names. Um, hit us up on Twitter for more, Aaron. I mean, it's just hard to we can go we can do like honestly just giving you names we can do that all night. So we have to actually move on. Lion Lenny, at Lion Lenny, I think players frequently forget baseball stats are skewed because stadium dimensions are not standardized. How much does this figure into your selections? The the first thing that comes to mind uh, hearing that question is just like, you know, how much we take park factors into consideration. Yeah, that's exactly where my head went with it. Right. You know, I, 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 I hope I understood that correctly. But yeah, you absolutely do take park factors. It, you know, a, a ballpark can certainly help boost a player's value. And, uh, you know, it can make a, you know, take Yankee hitters, for, for example, you know, people or, or uh, Colorado hitters. You know, uh, those are just two examples of, you know, uh, ballparks that'll that'll boost the player's value for sure. Yeah, you answered it. I'm not going to harp on it anymore. I, right. I like it. <laughs> it's is what it is. So okay, we move on. Um, at Mike Freeland, oh, sorry, Mike Freeland at M Freeland. I'm liking these Twitter handles. So easy to read tonight. Um, besides <laughs> Luis Robert, or sorry, Luis Robert. Who are a few guys that will be called up quickly? Crap. There's <laughs> Dylan Carlson is who I'm hoping for, but I don't know. Uh-huh. There's so many. There's so much to be determined over there, so it's really hard to tell if he's going to be one of those guys. But I like him to be called up early-ish. Yeah, uh, Ryan Mountcastle is another one. I that know we got a question one. on him. Uh, I think it was yesterday, the day before. So uh, Gavin Mountcastle, Lux, if, Gavin Lux, if he doesn't make the opening day roster, I expect him to be up relatively early. Uh huh. Yeah, perhaps uh, Carter Keyboom. You, I, I feel like right now is a perfect time to go get him because people are really worried about these signings. Exactly. And they're, they're more. I feel like they're more depth signings. If they're, if these guys are holding Keyboom back, then there's a lot more about Keyboom we don't know. Apparently. Um. Yeah. 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 Um. Jorge Mateo is another it's, one. I feel like I, I was on Mateo last year. Maybe I got burned. It's a good one. You're coming up with some good names. You can keep firing off of that, but I think that's. I think four or five is fair. Um. Pitchers, maybe Whitley finally comes up a little earlier this year than we expect. Because last year yeah. we expected him, so Whitley could be a good name. AJ Mackenzie Gore. Oh, same. Uh, I'm not on the Mackenzie Gore train. <laughs> I spoke to Eric on the last <laughs> podcast about this. I just I can't get behind him coming up early because of all, the lack of uh, innings he's thrown in the minors. It's a very very small amount. But um, Lazaro's already up. Not a lot of pitchers really. Because uh, like the guys like Nate Pearson, Gore, uh, McKay, uh, maybe McKay, May, and Kopek. Those three are like the ones that are like fringe. They should be up early if they're not up right away. Kopek more so because the injury. The other two are just playing time concerns. There's no clear path to a rotation spot. Yeah, there's some guys in Detroit too, like Casey Mize, Matt Manning. I love I love Manning. Mm-hmm. 
so yeah, that's a lot of. I think the pitchers. I think the, the I think the most relevant ones up coming up soonest would be May and McKay with Kopech coming starting once he's ramped up. So those are probably the ones that come up and come to mind the most. So yeah, those are. I think that's. I think we named to get them out. I'm sure. I'm sure we missed somebody. It's easy. To, it's easy to overlook people. Yeah. Um. Okay. Remember that question we answered earlier? That Michael. This the Michael Smith question. That's why it looks familiar. He asked. At the very end, it wrote thrown out dot dot, and then the actual question came came at the end. So I guess he didn't. You know, when you um answer your own tweet under like instead of doing a uh, two tweets like under each other, he put them in. He responded different areas. So there's two. He asked me the same question in two spots, basically. Oh, I see. Uh-huh. I don't know if you see it on the feed or not, but so I'm looking at it. And I'm like, I'm a little all thrown off. So so I didn't quite answer all of it. So I'll, I'll touch on it. So we touched a little bit on the um throwing your own guys out there and all that. But what are your thoughts and strategy on throwing guys on throwing out guys in an auction league? So I guess he wants my overall strategy. What I tend to do is like at the very beginning of drafts, which I actually was looking forward to answering this question. So I'm glad I finally got back to it. It was right weird on Twitter. I apologize. We're just revisiting it. Um, I really, really enjoy this question because it's, there's a lot of strategy. Again, remember how I was telling you, uh, I almost called you Zach. Dang it, George. I was telling you, George, that, <laughs> I really enjoy everything about auction league. And this is just another aspect, another strategy. I enjoy throwing out sleepers early. Like I'll take Luis Robert is obvious, but that's like a good name prior to the signing. So let's take uh Laureano going in like the eighties. You throw him out like towards the beginning of the drafts and he might get you five more dollars off the board. Somebody, cause there's more money to go around. So people, yeah, to, people are people more willing to overpay. Yes. Yeah. Like, Oh, well, I, you know, I'll just get them. I want my guy. I'll get them. Then I'll dig a little deeper. Okay. Then I'll go into, let's see. Who's like, who's a player going outside the top. Like, you know what? Let's get Mercado out there. Mercado has steals. People want steals. Let's throw Mercado out there when there's still a lot of money on the board. Cause Mercado's mm-hmm. not, and these are guys I don't want, by the way, not that I don't like them. I just don't want to pay for them, but I know somebody else will pay up more. So it's like I'm throwing out bigger – I'm throwing out these names that people have a lot of interest in that I'm okay. They're not part of my plans. That's my ultimate strategy when it comes to nominating players. I take players that would normally not get so much money if you wait and are going to get more money off the table early because you're getting them out there early. And people get a little upset and annoyed by that, but it just makes so much sense because more people spend more money because they have more money to spend. And it yeah. leaves you with more money to get the guys you want, like the, the higher-end guys even. You might have, like, instead of spending the extra five bucks on Mercado, I could take the extra five bucks and get my, and get the trout share I want, you know? Yeah. Everything. So that's how I attack uh, putting players out there. I love that question. I love talking uh, auction. There's a keeper question 14. Oh, so from Drew, at time to win it all. Oh, I mean, I'm hoping to help you with that. 14 team head to head roto keeper auction league. So there's a lot to this one. Castillo for 16 bucks, glass time for 10 bucks. Where are some SPs you target? Best additional SP on auction day. There's a lot to, like I said, knowing you already. Oh, knowing you already have Castillo and Glass now. So, so basically, he's looking for complementary pieces to Castillo and Glass now. But then I did ask him. I was like, so, you know, who else? Who else is going to be available? Do you think? Because you know, with the keeper league, that means he's not the only one keeping players. I have no right. idea who's available. Yeah, yeah, we might need a little bit more context, but I guess just like uh, the well, type of pitcher did, profile. Did, yeah, I was saying because he did with Glass now and Castillo. One of his follow up questions were because you know he doesn't know the keepers until March, because that's when they're due. Uh huh. And 
players can only be kept three years, so there's always a mix of players available in each auction. So I guess I think he ended up asking, would you be comfortable having Castillo as your ace as one of the questions? And I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with Castillo as my, my, my ace this year. He's a top 12 mm-hmm. guy for me, so yes. And Glasnow, I love having him. But now I would want some safety. I feel like both of them exactly. have so I feel like you have to go target your safety, like getting guys and guys I expect to be available and relatively cheap is like a Kyle Gibson. He should be cheap and available. Um, you mentioned Stroman, another good one to pair with these guys. Some mm-hmm. mid-tier guys, maybe go out and get like an Oda Rizzi. He's kind of quietly been solid. Um, Luke Weaver, Mad Bum, somebody might drop him because of how much he might be depending on inflation in your because inflation's a whole big deal in keeper league. So Yeah, you even like a... Even like a Jose Barrios. If Barrios isn't kept, yeah, that's another thing. You just don't know who the keepers are yet. So these are guys that go out and just an idea to target. But I would definitely – you're definitely like for sure keeping those guys. Like you mm-hmm. keep those guys and you should be comfortable knowing – I think I, I consider Castillo an a, a staff ace this year. And last time I was in my top 25. So you have two in my top 25 personally. I like that. If you can get a third in there, but I doubt that I doubt, and you're going to be available – so shoot for some of those middle tier guys. Um, if if a Zach Wheeler gets dropped, maybe like you mentioned, Burrios, I like Burrios. Carrasco could be kind of uh, Carrasco and Lynn. I see are continue continue to be like under drafted, under appreciated. Both those guys are great veteran presence for like yeah. a competing team, and those guys are two guys you can probably get for relatively good value compared to the younger guys that are going to be available in your drafts. So those are two names I really like. So I think that's going to do it, man. I think this ended up running over an hour, which I was surprised because I didn't expect to be talking this much about strategy. But is there anything else, final thoughts or anything? Did we miss something? Honestly, I have no uh, idea anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think this was a pretty good overview. Um, like I mentioned earlier, uh, maybe down the line we could do like a, a mock draft with some of our listeners and then, you know, go over that and go a little bit more in depth with each of these uh, formats. But um, yeah, no, I think this was pretty good. And this will age well. So that's perfect for anybody new or old listening to this. We will be posting this throughout the off season. So I hope I didn't miss anything. I think I answered every question. But other than that, guys, this is that's going to do it for tonight, episode 71. So we appreciate everyone's feedback on the questions. If you, want, if you have any more questions at any time, please hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Mike underscore Curland. You are at you because I can't think of your <laughs> name, George. George is at Roto underscore Nino. Zach is at Brav Z. Mike wasn't on the podcast, but I'll be nice. And he's at SP Streamer. You guys know him well, pretty, uh, pretty well as well, I would assume at this point. Don't forget to smash that five-star rating button, please. It greatly go, it, We greatly appreciate it. It goes a very long way. And obviously, if you can leave a review, that's just icing on the cake, cherry on top, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> George and I are just busy writing on Fantrax HQ. You can find our work there, written work, also on Twitter. Feel free to, like I said, reach out to us. And um, as always, man, we just really appreciate you guys listening. The ongoing support and growth is not going unnoticed. We can't thank you all enough. And um, until next time, guys, we'll talk to you soon. Peace.